Good morning, everyone. It is a beautiful day out today. We have a lot of people in the parking lot. Those of you that are still in your cars, will you honk your horn so we can let people know that you're here? We have people camped out in the parking lot, enjoying this beautiful day. And we're just so grateful for another opportunity to live for Christ, right? Yes, yes. Today, I have joining with me Mr. Jonathan. Mr. Jonathan is joining us. Are you all ready for that? You hear that? You hear that talk box? We have some talk box going on today. We can still praise the Lord through a talk box. All right? All right? So we're going to get started with a song called My God. And we have the actual recording of it so that we can make it as full as we possibly can. For those of you, I'd like for you to be able to clap your hands and get up on your feet and dance if you want to. You give me that joy. You give me that joy like a river. You give me that mercy I never deserve. You give me that love, nothing better. You give me that sweet peace I never before. There's nobody like God, like God. There's nobody like God. I'm talking about my God, my God. There's nobody. There's nobody like God, like God. I'm talking about my You give me that joy like a river You give me that mercy I never deserve You give me that love, nothing better You give me that sweet peace like never before There's nobody like God, like God I'm talking about my Never get enough of your love. Never get enough of your love. Never get enough of 
get enough of your love Never get enough of your love Never get enough, never get enough, never Never get enough, never get enough, never Never get enough of your love, Never get enough of your love, of it he loves us unconditionally he loves us in spite of us right even when we make those poor choices sometimes when we put him to the side sometimes when we are not pleased with our circumstances and wonder why things are happening the way they are but never 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 can we ever forget that God loves us unconditionally, unconditionally. So we just can give him praise for his wonderful blessings, his grace, and his mercy everlasting. Can we not? We can do that. We can do that. I'm going to open with the word of prayer as we transition. So if you all would join me in a moment of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we are just thankful, thankful, thankful for our lives today. Thankful that we're able to be here this morning. Thankful that we have breath in our bodies so that we may give you praise and honor and glory because you are worthy. You are God and you reign on the throne. You sit high, you look low. You care for us each and every day. So we just wanna come before you right now to continue in praise and worship to your name, your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the throne for our sins. And he rose again and he yet lives. 
So as we continue in our worship, we pray that it is pleasing to your ear and that we are able to reach someone who may be lost or confused or in despair. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and give thanks. Amen. So we're going to sing praises to our Lord. sing praises to your name, O Lord. I sing praises to your name, O Lord. Praises to your name, O Lord. For your name is great. For your name is great. And greatly to be praised. I sing praises to your name, O Lord. Praises to your name, O Lord, for your name great and greatly to be praised. I sing praises to your name, O Lord, praises to your name, O Lord, for your name great and greatly to be praised. We give glory. We give glory to your name. Oh Lord, glory to your
worship to your name. Oh Lord, worship to your name. Oh Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be For your name is great and greatly to be praised. For your name is great and greatly to be praised. We praise you, Lord. We thank you, God. We love you, Lord, because your name is great. We hope and pray that you are with us in this moment and that you love us and you're, you're going to reveal yourself to us through your word. Help us to receive your word, Lord God. Help us to understand your word and help us to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Y'all can honk if you want to hear me. Good morning. I'm glad again that we are here. Yes, it is warm. Yes, it is hot, but that's okay. Um, hopefully, either you are sitting in or under some shade or you're able to sit in your car. Um, we're really glad that you are here again for our fellowship. <clears throat> And our food, as what we're calling it today, we are having our worship time as we have been um, for the whole month of July. And after that time, we're just going to stick around and to be able to fellowship with food together as we make sure we're keeping good distance and doing what is needed to continue to protect one another as we move forward. And remember, as those that follow Christ, he tells us to love our neighbor as ourself. And so that's what we are practicing and that's what we are doing. This morning, before we go further, 
we are going to have an opportunity to take together the Lord's Supper. Um, as you entered this morning, you should have received um, a baggie with your elements in it. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and grab that and take that. If you're at home, hopefully you've been grabbed whatever it is that you can and that can be provided and that you can take with us. <clears throat> and so I'm going to give a moment for everyone to get themselves together. We have a few people that are still coming in. But also this morning, um, we want to have a time to pray for a family that has been with us for a while and God is causing to transition um, to another season in their life in another place. And we will do that a little later. Um, but I'm going to ask you if everyone would go ahead and grab your elements and join me. I'm going to be reading, of course, from the book of First Corinthians as we prepare our hearts. And to prepare our hearts to be before the Lord, I think this particular scripture helps us out a lot <clears throat> as we look at our attitudes even today as we are dealing in this crisis and what God calls us to do as a body, as a group, as a family of believers. And so even as we read this and we think of this in terms of the elements, in terms of communion, I'm going to ask you also just to think of where we're at today and what God is calling us to do to be one, caring for one another and looking out for one another. If you do not have one of the elements, I'm just going to ask you if you can maybe stick your hand out your car or to stand up. You should if you don't. And um, one of our brothers, one of our deacons will be able to bring it over to you if you do not at this time. Can you do that? All right. Join with me. First Corinthians chapter 11, reading from verse 17. <clears throat> but in the following instructions, I do not commend you because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat or drink and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. May God add his blessing to the reading and doing of his word. Understand as we read that text, the biggest part of that, that the complaint was against them, is that they were not caring for one another and loving one another. There was no outward display of love as they celebrated an outward display of love. Understand that when we take these elements, there's no magical power in the elements that you take. There is nothing in those things that you eat and drink. And surely in the wafer and in the cup that we have, there is nothing that in, in it and of itself will actually change you. Other than maybe changing the taste in your mouth after you finish it. But what it represents is far greater. It represents the demonstration of love that the scriptures speak about when we hear while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It was a demonstration of love. As a matter of fact, the scripture says God demonstrated his own love toward us. And then it finishes the scripture that I just stated. And so this is an outward demonstration of the love of God that we are commemorating and that we are remembering. And God is saying, how dare us celebrate an outward demonstration of love and not have an outward demonstration of love by caring for those who are living among us, especially in the household of faith. And so this morning when he says to eat and drink in a worthy manner, the worthy manner was that you were living, moving toward, it may not be perfectly, but it's consistently, you are moving toward living an outward demonstration of the love of Jesus Christ in your life. And, by, and, and as you do that, you commemorate and remember his demonstration on a regular basis. And so this morning, I want to remind us as we are in this crisis, as we are in this time that we have here today, I want us to remember or to ask ourselves, am I outwardly displaying what I am outwardly participating in right now? Am I outwardly demonstrating the love that God has for me to those that are living around me? Or am I eating in an unworthy manner? And so he wants us to just make sure that our lives are lining up with what we are doing. And so with that, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and open your cups.
And we know the wafer that is on top represents, as Jesus had at the table breaking the bread, represents his body. And he said, this is my body that is broken for you. And, and, and hear that, please. The benefit that he was deriving from being crucified was that you and I would get to be in communion with him and the Father. And he wants us to remember that, that he was willing to sacrifice himself so that you would be in relationship with him. So I ask you today, who is God calling you to sacrifice for? so that he can be seen in someone else's life. And so this morning as we eat, remember Jesus said, this is my body which was broken for you. Take and eat together. And he says, when he took the cup, he said to them, this is the new covenant in my blood. In other words, it was going to be ratified by his blood, that covenant was going to be sealed and put into effect by his death. As we know with any will, that will that someone has only comes into effect at the death of the person who wrote it. And in here, he was saying this covenant, this testament of his was going to go into effect because he was going to shed his blood. Without the spilling and the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. There is no remission of sins. And so when he tells you and I to remember this, he says, remember, it costs me my life for you to be with me. So this morning, remember the blood that Christ shed was intentional so that you and I could join with him. Drink this morning, remembering that. Father, we thank you that your demonstration of love did not depend on us. Otherwise, we would have failed. Father, that the demonstration of your love did not depend on our our actions, our behavior, but it depended on your choice, your love, what you desired, what you wanted. Father, I pray this morning that you would help us, O oh God, to live out what you have given us, Lord, that, that love that has been shed, that has been given toward us, O oh God, would be given to those around us, those in the family and even those outside of the family, that they may become a part of the family of God. Help us to be clear demonstrations of your love as we engage our world so that they may see the glorious forgiveness that lies in Jesus Christ. And that by doing that, they would live even as we live. We ask you this in Christ's name. Amen. And now our prayer for the Stokes family, I'm going to save that for right after our message this morning. I'm going to give them a chance just to be able to enjoy the message and the time. Are they ready to come on up? Are you? Okay.
I'm going to have them come on up. Good. Well, this morning we have with us the Stokes family, and, 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 and as many of you have heard, that they are um, um, almost ready to be able to transition for a while. They're going to be headed to Africa um, for about the next three years or so, or so, or so. And um, I'm going to let him share just some, but I want to give you, they have been a wonderful blessing, um, Chris, Lauren, and the children, you got to remind me of the names because I'm sitting here going, racking their brains. I'm like, oh, gosh. Elias. Elias. Elias and Amel. And Amel. Thank you. I'm sitting there going, okay, you know what? Don't even front. I can't remember. <laughs> but um, sometime next month, they will be embarking on this time um, leaving. But we have wanted to pray for them. But before that, what I wanted to share again is, and actually, if I had actually read it, they would have given me the name. Curtis actually set me up. Reading is fundamental. I missed the very first point. But, but I want you to hear some of how God has used them to actually bless us here. And we are praying for God to continue to use them wherever he sends them. Um, we know the kids have both been involved in VBS. And each and every year that they've been here have been involved and have loved it. But also, Chris and Lauren both have served multiple times on their trip in Haiti, when I understand. Um, and... Um, Lauren, we thank you because we know that you have has helped us to develop our COVID protocol here um, and um, also has really helped to get the operations of our clinic, as you know, that we have here going. Chris has served as the first clinic board president here. And greater than that, they are believers who have loved the Lord and have demonstrated that love to to each of you here. We were grateful for their input. They did not sit on the sidelines. They jumped in, they stayed involved, they stayed engaged. Um, and we will miss them tremendously. And yet, when God sends you somewhere, you better go. Because he has plans for using you however he chooses, but he also has plans for learning you. I'll say in that he teaches you things as you go. And, and we had a chance just to briefly share. I know that as you guys go, that there will be times where you will wonder what is going on. And then there'll be times where you'll be glad for the new things that you're learning. And then there'll be times that you wonder if you're having any impact at all. Know that when God sends, he uses. And that we want to pray for you guys this morning because we have been excited to be a part of your life and you to be a part of ours and this ministry, but we're also excited because of what God wants to do when you're there. And after there, whatever there is next that the Lord continues to actually use. And so is there anything in particular, that's why I gave you guys the mics, that you wanted us to be able to pray for or that you wanted to share before we pray? Okay. Pastor, Church, thank you so much. Uh, I was looking at my wife to see if she wanted to say something. She just left her mask on. So that was signal enough that this was uh, going to be me. Uh, but in all seriousness, uh, you know, we've been, this is the second time that we will be leaving Solid Word. The first time we left, we moved to California and we didn't know how long. We came back. And during that time, we stayed connected. We were a part of. Uh, the marriage ministry where we did, uh, at the time it was a Skype connection. Uh, and I say this because 
um, that's what we needed at the time. And um, what our prayer is now and what we need you all to keep us lifted up in is that connection because we don't know exactly what our church situation will be in Africa. We will seek out the Lord, but we will need that connection, that continual prayer um, so that we can uh, continue to grow. So that's one in particular um, that we've been already practicing. So uh, the, the next probably is uh, for me, um, leading this, this, this family, I really pray for my wife. Um, you go to a new place and I'm gonna have people at work, the kids will have people at school, Lauren won't have anything. And so for me, that's what I need corporate prayer for. Um, I'm gonna try to not get choked up because you know I think about all the things that she's done. Um, I really worry about that, but I know that the Lord will cover us in that regard. So uh, the next is our children. We don't know exactly what it's like to live in another country there like semi-excited, uh, and I pray that they keep that excitement to grow, to learn more about the Lord, but lo learn about the world and how they can actually impact it in a way that the Lord wants. Uh, and then thirdly, I ask you guys, just pray for me, you know, as I have tough days, have really good days, uh, most of it is care for this family that when they die, they go to heaven. So I need your help. So. That's what I need. Let's go ahead and pray. And um, just before, as, as one who, when you get to a new country and um, the spouse has something, the kids have something, and you, God, God's got something in store. You just have to be willing to embrace that something that he brings and as he brings it. Um, and we'll continue to use that time tremendously in you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us, God, that you continue to move us along in this life. Father, you bless us. You raise us up. You move us into new seasons. You move us into new things. We thank you, God, that you are constantly working in our lives. You are not a God who sits off in the sideline and you throw us and just watch us from a distance. You are engaged and involved. And we thank you for the Stokes family. We thank you for, for Chris and for Lauren and for the involvement, Lord. We thank you for the children, Father, as to how they have enjoyed their time and have grown here. But, Father, now you are moving them somewhere else and I hear again, and just as you've been faithful in that other move, you will be faithful in this one. But, Father, there are concerns that they have, and I know you know them already. You have provided for them already. Father, I pray, first of all, that as they wrap things up and pack things up, Lord, that you would give them wisdom to do all that is needed. I pray, God, that you would give them favor, that the things that need to happen would, and that people would come around them in the way that they should and that they need to. I also ask you, God, that as they travel, you would give safety, Lord, and that you would help them to learn, even in this process of moving, Father, that they would see your hand and they would sense your presence. I pray that as they move, that your hand of protection would be there as they land and they get settled. Lord, I pray that you would arrange it, Father, that they would have those things in place that need to be. 
Father, that you would bring those people their way that would help them move along this journey of learning who you are, Father, as they're in another land. Lord, it will be foreign to them, but it is not foreign to you. It is still a part of your earth, your world, Father, that which you've created. I pray that you would help them to develop friendships and connect with people, Father, that they can influence and that would influence them for the kingdom. I pray, God, right now that for Lauren, Lord, as she gets things settled, I pray, God, that you would give her those closer people, Lord, people that would help her, oh, God, to get used to and get acclimated to her surroundings. I pray, God, that you would help the kids to develop friends and people, Lord, that would help them to get used to what they're doing. Lord, I pray for Chris that you would help them to get into his job and to have time to connect with his family, Lord, and overall that they would enjoy the experience that you are giving them, that they would get to enjoy the land, the area, the people, the food. But Lord, I pray also that you would help them to find a church, to find a fellowship, Lord, where they can, where they can grow, where they can worship. Lord, I pray indeed that, that, that the people would be dear to their heart. I pray, God, that you would continue to <clears throat> help them to see your hand at work. And, Father, that they would not, oh God, turn from allowing themselves to be used for the kingdom. Father, that the busyness would not overwhelm them. But, Lord, they would see where you would have them to connect. And, Father, I pray that you would bring people their way that they could share Christ with. And, Father, that they could grow with. Lord, we know you are going to uphold them. You've done it before. You keep doing it, and you will continue to do it. Father, I pray indeed that you would let the worries that come from being in a new culture and a new environment, I pray that those worries, oh God, would be relieved as you, God, work on their behalf. I pray that they will learn to trust you in new ways. And as the challenges come, may they rest in you, even if the resting doesn't come immediately. I pray that they would learn to rest and to trust your hand, your character, and what you've done, Lord, your history with them. And so we commit them to you as a family. We pray for them. I pray that we would continue to connect with them, even at a distance. And that, Lord, when they miss family and when they miss friends, I pray that you would soothe that hurt, that heartache, God, with your very presence and with new people that you bring in their life. Thank you again for the Stokes family, for how you have let them bless us and how we have blessed them. And we pray for them today in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. It is always exciting when the Lord has us go into <clears throat> new territory and new lands, and actually that just leads into this morning. Although their situation was a bit different, and it was not one of celebration, but we're going to be embarking today and then throughout the month <clears throat> um, of August, we're going to be looking at living as exiles or living as foreigners in our land. Um, and, and as believers, as people in the family of God, what does that look like? Today we will be in Jeremiah 29, and you can begin to turn there, verses 4 through 9. Um, and we are going to, um, you, you can hold as a marker 1 Peter 1, 1 and 2. And then for the remainder of August, um, we're going to be in 
First um, Peter, because that letter by Peter was written to believers that were living as what the scripture calls elect exiles. And we're going to see what was meant by exiles, which is a little different from the Jeremiah text that we have here today. But how do we live as exiles, as the scripture calls the believer in this world, on this planet, as we are on a journey home to be in the presence of the Lord? And Peter wrote this to them, and I wanted to start with this one because today as we begin living as, I mean, looking at living as exiles, I want to focus specifically on seeking the welfare of the city or seeking the peace of the city. And Jeremiah, the prophet here who was prophesying, part of that was the judgment of the nation of Israel as they were going to go into or they were brought into captivity of under the Babylonians and that how God still had a message even in his judging and his dealing with them as him as him bringing them into exile it was not separated from his love for them just want to remind someone today when God may be disciplining you when God may be dealing with you seemingly in a harsh manner, and even if God is judging you, understand that as a child of God, that it is done out of love. It is not that God hates you. It is not that he doesn't want anything to do with you. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite. As parents, when a parent disciplines a child, when a parent has to come down harshly, for the average parent without there being any mental issues or something where they're wanting to harm their children, that discipline is out of love. That discipline is because they care so much that they want to make sure that what needs to be happening is happening in your life. And God does it perfectly. As humans, we do it imperfectly, but God does it perfectly. So as we look today as living as exiles or living in, in, in essence, living as foreigners in our homeland, how are we to do that? Join me in prayer, please. Father, thank you that you've given us your words so that our lives can follow your desire, your pattern, your plan, God, that you have set in motion. We thank you, Lord, that we can go to your word and in any part of it, find something in it that will direct us, God, towards you and how we walk as we are walking in you. I pray this morning, Lord, as we begin to look at living as exiles, Lord, that we would indeed see ourselves as people who this is not our permanent home, although we have been able to set up here, Lord, but this is, and this is where we are, but we are journeying somewhere else. And I pray that you would teach us to live like that, to understand it, Lord, to embrace it, and thus to be able to engage properly. So we commit ourselves to you today and pray that you would help us. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen. So if you would turn with me to Jeremiah 29, we know this chapter gets a verse that is used a lot, sometimes I believe misused in the context that is had. Uh, but one that is used more the less. And we know verse 11, we read a lot which says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord.
plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. And many times we read those verses and we quote it for ourselves, but many times we forget the context that it sits in. The context of this verse was as the nation of Israel was being brought off into captivity because of the discipline of the Lord against their sin, and it was going to be for a while. And he was letting them know that although it's going to get hard and, uh, and, and, and that although it is going to be tough and although you're going to wonder where I am, he said, I want you to know that my plans for you are not evil, that my plans for you is for your welfare. But understand the context, the context is that they were experiencing and were going to experiencing some rough and some tough and some hard times I mean, due to the choices that, that they had made before. And the reason this is necessary, the reason verse 11 shows the grace of God is so that they would not lose heart and that they would not walk away from God as they are being disciplined and as they are being dealt with. And you say today, are you preaching a message of judgment against us this morning? No. What we're focusing on this morning is the fact that as we live as exiles, Regardless of if it's a Jeremiah 29 situation where it was because God was dealing with them and, 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 was, and, was, and was disciplining them, or it was the first Peter exile, which they were not yet being persecuted to the level that we know Christians were persecuted during the days of the early church, but they were beginning to experience it. This was not the Nero persecution yet, but this was indeed that persecution that was ramping up and that they were now being shamed for carrying the name of Christ. They were being ridiculed for being believers. They were beginning to be ostracized and marginalized. They were losing their influence as believers that Peter settles them down and tells them that your exile is an election. In other words, God chose you to be that way. Just as he chose in Jeremiah, although under different circumstances, what that tells me and what, that, and what that tells you today is whatever exile situation God has you in, his hand is there with you, his love is over you, and his plan is for you. And you need to remember that because that's going to help you to deal with the exile. And we know that for people that are in exile, they are displaced from their home country and their homeland. Uh, they've been moved out. They've been dispersed. And they are having to deal with a culture that is unlike theirs and for the most part is antagonistic to theirs. And so we're going to see three things this morning. Living as exiles, seeking the welfare of the city. So... Read with me after that very long introduction, which will help us as we get into the next set of, um, I mean, as we get into First Peter in the month of August. Jeremiah 29, verse 4 says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. 
but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie. And they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. And then he gives them two verses later, hope. Three things we're going to look at as we seek the welfare of the city living as exiles. Number one, your exile is God's doing. You living here, even in the first Peter context of people that because of your faith, you are living in opposition to and in a world that is opposed to the very purposes of your life and the way you live. One of the problems today that we are facing as believers, as Christ followers, is that we are seeing and that we are feeling the loss of influence that Christians have had in the public square. We are seeing the loss of people holding high the values that Christians have held high for years. We see the, the, the marginalization of people who have, who have embraced Christ and have been able to carry that into corporate settings, into education settings, into political settings, uh, into financial settings, and it has benefited them. What we are seeing is that it is losing its luster in the eyes of our world. And what's even more critical is our response. What we're finding is that we have Christians that are becoming angry and that are getting mad at the world because we don't have the influence we used to have. But what we're forgetting is that the very world that God places you and I in is diametrically opposed to the way of God. And even though he may have had you have a level of influence, what's happening now is that you are going to, and, and, and for us now, we may begin to experience what the Christians in 1 Peter were experiencing as we begin to see the loss of the influence that we've had. I'm not talking about the impact. I'm not even talking about the individual influence. I'm talking about influence in the public square. How do I deal with it? Your exile is God's doing. He says here in verse four, he says that I have sent you there in this particular case because of their um, because of their refusal to follow God. God sent them into exile to discipline and to help them to learn so they would get back on course. But make no mistake, God did it. Today, we have to understand the influence that may have been lost and, and, and some of the ground that was gained and some of the things that we had at one point back in the day as Christians in this society, if we see it being lost, understand God's not sitting in a corner wondering what happened to his influence. That this, too, is in the plan of God. He tells them, I sent you. As a matter of fact, turn to first Peter. And he says in the beginning, um, Peter says in his letter, first Peter one, when Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect 
exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And he says, listen for a second. He says, you guys are chosen as exiles. It reminds me, it, it, it brings me back to Jeremiah 29, except this was not in discipline of their sin. This was in the plan that God had for them in the world that they were going to live in. He sent you and he's elected you. What does that mean? He has chosen you. How does Peter and how does Jeremiah help them to remember to deal with where they are? He says, you're mine regardless of where you are. And if you begin to feel unsettled in society, God says, the first thing you are to remember is that you are still mine. I've not given you up. I've not let go of you. I've not walked away from you. I'm still there and my strength is still there. My plan is still in effect. You are mine. And so when he says that, that is to remind them that regardless of what happens during this time. And when we know that in Babylon, they were oppressed severely. What God was telling them from the beginning of it all, I'm in the middle of it. I actually, I'm the one that's, you know, I'm the one that set this up. That should cause us to be joyful as we go through trials. Why? Because we know this was not something that was unplanned. This was not a plan B or C. This was not something that wasn't scheduled. This was right and directly in the plan of God. If you can embrace the fact that where you live today, what you're doing today, how life is going today is right in God's plan, you are better able to settle yourself as you go through hardship. But if you think this is a mistake, if you think God can't handle this, if you think somehow God missed it, you're in trouble. Because you're going to be clearly unsettled and you're going to live like it. You're going to be angry at the world. You're going to be mad that you've lost your influence and you're going to be fighting to get it back when God is trying to tell you, I'm in this. Embrace it and learn and you will live. So number one, your exile is God's doing. Number two, flourish where he has sent you. Flourish wherever he sends you. He says to them, build houses and live in them. Hold on a second. Hold, wait, wait. We were just overrun as a nation, taken captivity. This is, we're talking about Israel here, and that now we were brought into a, a climate of being oppressed. God says, live there, flourish there. Why? Because of the first point. I'm the one who set this up. I'm the one who's with you in it. So he's telling them what they can do. He says, you can actually flourish in a world that's opposed to me. You can actually build in a world that is against me. You can actually grow. You can actually multiply in a world that doesn't love me. God is telling you and I as believers, even as he was telling his children in the nation of Israel, he was telling them, it doesn't matter your environment. It just matters who sent you into the environment. If you are somewhere where God has not sent you, 
you should worry because you don't have his back. You may have his grace and he may help you out of his grace, but his plan, if you are somewhere where he has planted you, even if where he's planted you is rough and tough, you got him. He says, flourish where he's sent you. He told them to build. As a matter of fact, I want you to see what he says. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. You know what God was telling them? You're going to be here for a while. He was, this was going to be generationally. He just said, hey, look, look, I want you going and get married. Don't. Don't sit here waiting for the day to come when we're going to be delivered out of this. And so you live as if this ain't, you know what, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just waiting for the Lord to grab me and snatch me out. Come, Lord Jesus, come. God is saying, I want you to flourish in the meantime. Some of us, we have, we have set up our lives to where we just go, Lord, anytime you come, I'm ready to leave. And God's saying, go on and settle yourself and live. No, I'm just ready to get out of here. God's like, I'm not. I remember there were times when we were living overseas and and there were days where it got rough. There were days that I actually said to the Lord, is it time to go yet? And obviously his answer was no. And what I repeatedly heard and what repeatedly came to me repeatedly was flourish where I've planted you. That, 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 that word came to me over and over. I wanted out. And God says, I don't. You are where I want you. Flourish. Are you flourishing where God has planted you in your season of life? You may not like that job. You may not be in love with the neighborhood. You may not like all of what you have and where you have it. God says, are you flourishing? I know where you are. If I wanted you gone, you'd be gone. And so he says, wherever it is that I've planted you, grow. It may be a while. He was telling this nation, it's going to be generations. So go on and set up husbands for your daughters and so that and, 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 and wives for your sons so that they can have kids. And he says, multiply while you're there and don't decrease. That doesn't sound like God. Hold on. That doesn't sound like you getting me out of here soon. God says, don't worry about that. All you need to be concerned with is, are you growing where I've sent you? And so he wants us to also know as we're flourishing where he sent us that he's watching us. That he is watching us. Jeremiah 29, 11 that I read earlier, that comes into play. Now we can say, I know the plans I have for you. They had to understand after hearing that they would have thought, well, what kind of plans do you have for us, Lord? And God says, I know. Look, I've already planned what I have for you. And it is for you to flourish. It's for your welfare. It's for your well-being. They will look around and say, it sure doesn't look like it because all I see is oppression. All I see is oppressors. All I see is a city that is contrary to everything that you are. I see the city that 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 Lord defies you and 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 doesn't want you. And thus they live like that. God says, grow in it. I'm there. I've got you. Hmm. 
But he also says to us, don't let him lie to you. As you're flourishing where he sent you, he says in verses eight and nine that you're going to have people that all they're going to proclaim is peace. Here you are walking and living in sin, living like you want. And you got prophets and people that are telling you it's okay. Keep living like you want. God is for you. Go get yours. Your destiny is today and you are living just as raunchy and just as wretched and just as evil as you want. But you keep getting people around you to tell you that you're okay and that God's blessing you. That's what he says here. These prophets were lying to him. They 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 were not telling them the truth. And it said where you are is because God is dealing with you and judging you in this particular case. And he says, don't let them lie to you. Go by my word. I will say today to you and I don't listen to those who don't proclaim God's word. All they proclaim over you is miracles and blessings. And they tell you they're going to keep coming in abundance regardless of what you do. You better get your head in God's word and to realize that if you aren't living for God, don't expect the favor of God or the approval of God on your life. And so he tells them to flourish where they are. It's going to be a while. I've got you. I'll protect you. And then lastly, he says to seek the welfare of the city and see, this is where if I'm in a place I don't want to be. And if I am doing what I don't want to do, then, and, and, and I don't want to be engaged with the people that I've been forced to live around and I don't care what happens to them. That's what tends to happen to us. I don't care what happened. I'm going to be out of here anyway when the Lord comes. So it doesn't matter. Go on and tear this place up. Go on and burn it down. It doesn't. God says, that's not what I want you to have as a mindset. Look at what he says. And it's only because he established the fact that he's with them and he has called them to flourish that he finally says, now what I want you to do is I want you to seek the welfare of the city that I have sent you into. Hold on, God. Do you realize that you sent us into Babylon? in the belly of the beast. These people, I, they don't know you, nor that they want to know you. And you want me to pray that this place flourishes? God says, exactly. And he says, in part, because when it flourishes, when its welfare is, is, is happening, so is yours. What did he say? This is your city. This is where I've placed you. I'm not changing it. I'm changing you and that you will change it by the people around you. Oh, will the will the city get better? I don't know. But what we know is that you will be better and the people you impact can be better and they can ultimately come to know the one who will bring the greatest welfare to the city. And that is Jesus Christ himself. So he says here, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray. See, now my prayer would have been and pray for the Lord to get you out. That would have been my prayer and pray for the Lord to end this thing as soon as he can. That would have been my prayer. But he tells you what to pray. He says and pray to the Lord on its behalf. Wow, I had to ask myself, am I praying for Indianapolis? How am I praying for it? 
Am I praying for its welfare or its growth, or am I praying, God, get them, deal with them? Boy, I, they just getting on my nerve. How am I praying for this city? God says, I have you here. This is where you're to grow. And I want you to pray regardless of how hard it gets on its behalf or for its well-being or for its care. Why? Partially because as it is cared for well, you will find your welfare in it. Why? Because you're a part of it. That's a part of that whole being in it, although you're not of it. Jesus tells us to be in the world and not of it. What does that mean? That I'm engaged in all of what's going on around me. I am involved in my society and in life, but my purpose for being here is different. Ultimately, what I want for people first and foremost is a relationship with Christ because it sets their life on a course to eternity that's well and everything else springs from that. So the thing that I want most for people here is to be in a relationship with Christ and I live that way and I preach. And even if they don't want to hear it, those opportunities I get to share it, I share it boldly. We need to learn to do evangelism as exiles, as people who are evangelizing from the margins, because that's where it seems we're going to be going. People that know how to live and not have to be in the center of influence, but have center influence. And so God tells you and I today, he says, look, your exile is my doing. Flourish where I've sent you and seek the welfare of the city. Seek its good. Seek its upkeep. And that is spiritual, yes, and physical, yes. Get involved. He tells them here, plant gardens. Grow your families, build houses. That's not ungodly to do because that's not your ultimate. Your ultimate is to live for God and one day to return to his kingdom. Because if you read further down in Jeremiah, he tells them that after a certain time, I'm going to return you to Jerusalem. He says, I'm going to bring you back. Now, for us today, he says, look, go on and live here because there's coming the day where I'm coming to get you. And when it's done and, and, and you get to be with me, you will be able to know that you've lived life well here while in exile. When God brings you home, when God brings you to that place that will be permanent for you, he is going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. So let me ask you those questions. Do you realize God sent you where you are right now? Have you embraced that? Do you live your life as if God has sent you here? Or are you praying for God just to get you out? And I don't want any dealings with this until you move me to where I think I should be. Second question. Are you flourishing where God has sent you? Or are you barely existing? Because you just can't wait to bolt to leave, to get to somewhere else, only to maybe realize that you might not like it there either. Any place on this planet for the believer is a temporary place. Any place, no matter where you go. 
and God calls you to flourish there. And then lastly, are you seeking the welfare of the city? Do you care about it? Do you get involved? Do you seek to fight against injustice? Do you care for those who are hurting? Do you flourish and grow and let people benefit from your flourishing and your growth? Are you looking at the needs of those around and caring for it deeply? Or are you just praying, Lord Jesus, come quickly. I just want to leave. God is calling for us as believers to dig in. How long are we going to be here? I don't know. It doesn't even matter. When God gives me a word like this and he says, I've sent you, flourish and seek the welfare of where I've sent you. That's all I need. That's all I need. So today, living as exiles, seeking the welfare of the city. Is that going to be you? Is your prayer going to change? Or has that been your prayer already? Let's go before God. Father, thank you so much. Lord, that even in exile, you are there. You are in the middle. Father, you are right where you need to be. And Father, even as we look around us and we do not like what we see, Father, we can like who we see because we should as believers be seeing you. Father, I ask you today that you would help us, O oh Lord, to realize that you've got us wherever we are. Father, that you want us to flourish wherever you have sent us. And Father, we are to seek the welfare of the place in which you've sent us. I pray that would be us. We would care for our surroundings. We would dig in we would engage. In Christ's name, amen. Today, I don't want to sit here and think for a moment that as our crowd increases and even our influence around us, that everyone is sent by God because you are in the family of God. See, you can be outside of the family and the moment you are a part of the family of God, where you are, is where you've been sent. That's how God works. And if he wants to change to something else, he will. And so today, if you are not a part of God's family, that can change. You can come to know Christ. We just remembered his crucifixion, his death, his burial, and ultimately his resurrection, as we can remember what he's done for the forgiveness of our sins. But if you've never embraced that and brought it to be your own, you can today. By simply realizing that Christ is the only way to communion and union with God. And that he provided the only way through his death, his burial, and his resurrection for both the forgiveness of sins and then for you living in this new life in Christ. If only you would receive it. And if you haven't and you want to today, I will invite you to do that. You can speak with any of us that are here. You can talk with me. You can speak with any of the, of the people that were handing out the communion cups this morning as we, um, um, as we walked in. Or just have a conversation with folk. I just want you to know that indeed we 
want you to know Christ. That is the best thing that can happen to you in this world because he will change your world. And so this morning, hopefully you are blessed and encouraged. If you find yourself in a position that you'd rather not be in, in a place that you'd rather not, and you're in the Lord, know that the Lord is there with you and that he may have sent you into this very place at this very time for what he wants to do in you. Flourish there is my request of you. In the name of Christ, amen. Amen? I hear you, some of you. All righty. Hey, listen, this morning we are going to end our time here. And yet we did say that, that, that we want to be able to, to sit and to, um, and to eat together. I ask that if you've brought it or if you have to go and bring it back and get it, I mean, go and get it and bring it back, that we will be here. Um, and that and you can spread out and sit however you want. I just ask that you keep the center roadway clear. So those that may want to leave can. You can set up in any parking space that we have here. Um, I just do ask that if we are up and around talking, that we remember that we are still under mask order and that we mask up. Remember, again, we are loving our neighbor as ourselves. That is God's mandate. And so I will do what I need to do to demonstrate love for my neighbor because God loved me first. And so there isn't anything that I won't do that God calls me to do to demonstrate that love. So mask up, enjoy, and um, let's fellowship together. Thank you all for coming. We look again to next week. We'll be back out here as the Lord allows, and we will continue through 1 Peter in this living as exiles as he writes to them as to how they are to live in their world. Have a great week.